0: This episode is sponsored by Honey Badger. In this episode, we're going to look at 10 different tips and tricks in Ruby on Rails. So I have a user model, and within this user model, I have some notes. And the neat thing about these notes is that the first word to do, optimize, and fix me can be queried on. So in our terminal, if we run bin rails space notes, then it'll search through our application and it'll pick up on all of these comments within our code and then we can get a list of these printed out. And this could be a really good habit to do if you are developing a feature and you're working in a certain area, but then need to go work elsewhere, but you don't want to lose your exact train of thought. So you can add a to-do note and then run the Rails notes, just to make sure that you don't forget anything within this feature. Another trick, if we go into our log folder, and if we look at the files, our development log and sidekick log and any other file could end up getting to be really large. So instead of deleting the file, just so Rails will automatically recreate it when you restart the service, you could just call bin rails, log colon clear, and then when we look at the log folder, it has emptied out the logs. And another trick is with the underscore method. And this isn't Rails specific, it is a feature of Ruby. So if I'm in the interactive shell, and if I do one plus two plus three, we get a return of six. I can then take a local variable, sum is equal to underscore, and then if I type out the sum, we get six. So the underscore is the return of the previous command's output. And sometimes when we're in the Rails console, we might need access to some helpers. So there's one nice helper that you can use in your views, the number to currency. So if we have a number 4250 and we try to run this, we get an undefined method number to currency. However, if you run helper dot number to currency, you'll then get the expected output. This should work with basically any kind of method within our view helpers. So we could also do a helper dot pluralize. We can pass in an amount and then also our string. And this isn't limited to just the view helpers, we can also type in app to get access to something like our user's path. And if we call the user path, we can then pass in the user.first, then we will get the show path for the first user. And just like you can do in your view, you could also call the user URL to get the full URL, including the protocol, your domain name, and the URI. And back to the helper, we can also do some cool things like a helper link to. We can say to our users, and we want to go to our app.usersPath. And this will generate the HTML that we would expect within our normal view. And so sometimes when we're working on a particular model, we may not know too much about it, but we want to see what's available. So we could call user.methods, and this will give us a huge list of methods, which is kind of annoying because it's hard to discern what is available to us from Rails and then what is been created on that model. So clearing out the screen again, I could call the user methods minus the active record colon colon base methods. And we got an empty array back, and that's because we don't have any class level methods. So if we had a self dot users count, which just did a count of all the users, and if we reload our Rails console, and then if we run the users method, Minus the active record base methods, we then get our users count. However, again, that's only for the class methods. So we could call the user methods and then pass in false. And this will give us our users count, which is going to be a little bit easier than typing the user methods minus the active record base methods, but we do get some stragglers in there. And if we want to find all the instance methods, we could call instance methods and that gives us a huge list again. However, if we call the user instance methods and then pass in false, we then just get the instance methods that we defined in our model. And I've found a few use cases for this in the past, but another trick is the Rails runner. This will essentially launch your Ruby on Rails application to execute a single command. So if we just do a puts, the user.count, and we run this, it's going to launch the Rails application and then run the user count. And so if I run bin rails dbc to seed our database, I can then run the bin rails runner puts user count again, and there we have our updated amount. And I've used this one in the past. Let's say in our application we have a profile and this belongs to a user. However, on the profile, we need to get the email address of that user. So instead of calling, the profile.user.email, we could just call the profile.email if we delegate this email method to the user. So if we have a delegate the email method to the user, then we can call our profile.email and it would return the user's email. Another trick is if we call something like a user.find one.destroy, it's going to do a lookup and it's going to destroy the user. But if we need to destroy multiple users, if we do something like a destroy all, this is going to go through. And it happened pretty quick because I don't have any kind of associations, but it did create an N plus one query for all of these. So the benefit of using destroy is that it is going to run any kind of callbacks. So any kind of dependent destroys will also get deleted as well. However, depending on your application, this could be a very heavy task, especially if you have one where you don't need or have any associations, you just simply need to delete all of these records. So I'll see my database again, I'll go back in my console, and if I call the user.deleteAll, it'll then delete all of the records. And so this will be a lot faster, however, it will skip any callbacks. So if a user has a profile, and you set that profile to be a dependent destroy, that profile record would still exist. So in our case, if a user has one profile or has many profiles, you can call a dependent destroy. So when the user record is deleted, the associated profile record would also be deleted. However, if that profile does not have any other associations, then you could do a dependent delete, and that's going to be much quicker. But again, if a profile in this particular case did have a lot of associations, then those callbacks would be skipped as well, as well as any other kind of callbacks that you have created. So be sure when using delete, you do understand the repercussions there. So overall, in practical terms, I think that Ruby on Rails is a pretty fast framework. However, as developers, however, as developers, we introduce things that make it slow, for example, M plus one queries. And while using the bullet gem is good, Rails does have a way where we can get a warning when we are fetching a large number of queries. And I am doing this in the development.rb. Hopefully you have a seed file within your Rails application that you're seeding with enough sample data that you would trigger any kind of performance issues early on. So if we add a config.activeRecord.warn on records fetched greater than If we set this equal to 100, then we'll get a console warning whenever we run a query that fetches more than 100 records. So back in our Rails console, if we do a user.count, that's going to return 101 records. But if we do a puts user.all, it looks like it happened pretty quickly. But at the top, we got a query fetched 101 user records. And the last trick is that we're going to look at loading configs from a YAML file. Sometimes your application might have a lot of different keys that you need to set. They're not really private keys, but you still need them set for the application. So I'll create a couple. And the nice thing about this is that even though this is a YAML file, we could have some Ruby syntax that we enter in with the ERB tags. And I could just do something silly like a Rails.environment. We can create an initializer file. And I'm just going to call this the app underscore config and we'll have our YAML. We'll set this equal to the active support, colon, colon, configuration file. And we'll create a new instance of this. We then need to pass in our file. So I'm going to do a rails.root.join, our config folder, and then the app.config.yaml file. And after we create this new configuration file, we can call .parse on it. And then we can call the rails.configuration.app.config, which this is just a variable that I set up because the configuration is a hash, and we can set it equal to YAML. So then in our Rails console, we can call Rails.application.config, and then the app underscore config. And this will return our hash of variables. And from here, we can call the key underscore one to get that returned. We could also call the Rails.configuration.app underscore config to get the same thing. And if you don't like accessing it with a string, You could call the yaml dot with indifferent access so that way when you call the rails application dot config dot app config and then you get the key one instead of passing in as a string you could pass it in as a symbol to get that as well and if you still don't like that route if you want it to be more like an object we could call the open struct dot new pass in our yaml and then to get something like the key one would be as simple as passing in like a method. So now if we call something like our app Ruby, we then get the return. And if we pass it in like a hash like we did normally, that still works as well. Well that's all for this episode. Thanks for watching.